Good day to you all and welcome to this second day of March. It's day 61 in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Hunter. I am your brother, your Bible reading coach, someone who shows up with you every day to spend a little time together in the pages of the Bible. We're going to let the Bible do what the Bible does and direct our hearts to the one who is the living word of God, the one alone who is the inerrant and authoritative one. Indeed, my friends, we don't come simply to pages in a book, and we are not going to conflate this book with him. No, this book points us to him, and he is the one that we come to. He is the one who is our source of life and hope. He is our North Star, and he is our destination. So today, my friends, we are going to go to the book of Numbers again, chapters 30 and 31, and we'll finish our reading in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. This is the word of the Lord. Numbers 30. Then Moses summoned the leaders of the tribes of Israel and told them, This is what the Lord has commanded. A man who makes a vow to the Lord or who makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly as he said he would do. If a young woman makes a vow to the Lord or a pledge under oath while she is still living at her father's home, and her father hears of the vow or pledge and does not object to it, then all her vows and pledges will stand. But if her father refuses to let her fulfill the vow or pledge on the day he hears of it, then all her vows and pledges will become invalid. The Lord will forgive her because her father would not let her fulfill the vow. Now suppose a young woman makes a vow or binds herself with an impulsive pledge and later marries. If her husband learns of her vow or pledge and does not object on the day he hears of it, her vows and pledges will stand. But if her husband refuses to accept her vow or impulsive pledge on the day he hears of it, he nullifies her commitments and the Lord will forgive her. If, however, a woman is a widow or is divorced, she must fulfill all her vows and pledges. But suppose a woman is married and living in her husband's home when she makes a vow or binds herself with a pledge. If her husband hears of it and does not object to it, her vow or pledge will stand. But if her husband refuses to accept it on the day he hears of it, her vow or pledge will be nullified and the Lord will forgive her. So her husband may either confirm or nullify any vows or pledges she makes to deny herself. But if he does not object on the day he hears of it, then he agrees to all her vows and pledges. If he waits more than a day and then tries to nullify a vow or pledge, he will be punished for her guilt. These are the regulations the Lord gave Moses concerning relationships between a man and his wife and between a father and a young daughter who still lives at home. Numbers 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, On behalf of the people of Israel, take revenge on the Midianites for leading them into idolatry. After that you will die and join your ancestors. So Moses said to the people, Choose some men and arm them to fight the Lord's war of revenge against Midian. From each tribe of Israel send one thousand men into battle. So they chose 1,000 men from each tribe of Israel, a total of 12,000 men armed for battle. Then Moses sent them out, 1,000 men from each tribe, and Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, led them into battle. They carried along the holy objects of the sanctuary, 
and the trumpets were sounding the charge. They attacked Midian as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed all the men, all five of the Midianite kings, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, died in the battle. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. Then the Israelite army captured the Midianite women and children and seized their cattle and flocks and all their wealth as plunder. They burned all the towns and villages where the Midianites had lived. After they had gathered the plunder and captives, both people and animals, they brought them all to Moses and Eleazar the priest and to the whole community of Israel, which was camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was furious with all the generals and captains who had returned from the battle. Why have you let all the women live? he demanded. These are the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to rebel against the Lord at Mount Peor. They are the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. So kill all the boys and all the women who have had intercourse with a man. Only the young girls who are virgins may live. You may keep them for yourselves. And all of you who have killed anyone or have touched a dead body must stay outside the camp for seven days. You must purify yourselves and your captives on the third and seventh days. Purify all your clothing too, everything made of leather, goat hair, or wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men who were in battle, The Lord has given Moses this legal requirement. Anything made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, tin, or lead... That is, all metals that do not burn must be passed through fire in order to be made ceremonially pure. These metal objects must then be further purified with the water of purification. But everything that burns must be purified by the water alone. On the seventh day, you must wash your clothes and be purified. Then you may return to camp. And the Lord said to Moses, You, Eleazar the priest, and the family leaders of each tribe, are to make a list of all the plunder taken in battle, including the people and animals. Then divide the plunder into two parts and give half to the men who fought the battle and half to the rest of the people. From the army's portion, first to give the Lord his share of the plunder, one of every five hundred of the prisoners and of the cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats, give his share of the army's half to Eleazar the priest as an offering to the Lord. From the half that belongs to the people of Israel, Take one of every fifty of the prisoners and of the cattle, donkeys, sheep and goats and other animals. Give this share to the Levites who are in charge of maintaining the Lord's tabernacle. So Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. The plunder remaining from everything the fighting men had taken totaled 675,000 sheep and goats, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys and 32,000 virgin girls. Half of the plunder was taken to the fighting men. It totaled 337,500 sheep and goats, of which 675 were the Lord's share, 36,000 cattle, of which 72 were the Lord's share, 30,500 donkeys, of which 61 were the Lord's share, and 16,000 virgin girls, of whom 32 were the Lord's share. Moses gave all the Lord's share to Eleazar the priest, just as the Lord had directed him. Half of the plunder belonged to the people of Israel, and Moses separated it from the half belonging to the fighting men. It totaled 337,500 sheep and goats, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 virgin girls. From the half share given to the people, Moses took one of every 50 prisoners and animals and gave them to the Levites, who maintained the Lord's tabernacle. 
All this was done as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then all the generals and captains came to Moses, and he said, We your servants have accounted for all the men who went out to battle under our command. Not one of us is missing. So we are presenting the items of gold we captured as an offering to the Lord from our share of the plunder, armbands, bracelets, rings, earrings, and necklaces. This will purify our lives before the Lord and make us right with him. So Moses and Eliezer the priest received the gold from all the military commanders, all kinds of jewelry and crafted objects, in all the gold that the generals and captains presented as a gift to the Lord weighed about 420 pounds. All the fighting men had taken some of the plunder for themselves, so Moses and Eliezer the priest accepted the gifts from the generals and captains and brought the gold to the tabernacle as a reminder to the Lord that the people of Israel belonged to him. Mark 9 Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. Yet why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they chose to abuse him just as the scriptures predicted. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought you my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast the evil spirit out, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has he been like this? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. 
When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to speak in here. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can only be cast out by prayer. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know that he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. John said to Jesus, Teacher, We saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin... It would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go in the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the people of God. Amen. Numbers 30 starts with some seemingly obscure instruction on how to be released from a vow or a binding agreement for a married woman or an unmarried daughter. It was pretty simple. They were to go to their father or their husband and let them know of their vow. If they didn't approve, the husband or father had the power to nullify the agreement and release the woman from the vow's obligations. 
In our reading in Mark 9, Jesus gives some very stern and sobering warnings on the power of sin and the extreme measures we are to take in order to be released from the power of sin and its consequences. Jesus sounds quite Old Testament here when he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to hell where the fire never goes out. Jesus is showing us that sin works like an agreement. We make vows, agreements, contractual arrangements, as it were, with our sin. Sin says to the hand, do this, and I'll reward you with that. Sin says to the eye, do this, and I'll reward you with that. Jesus isn't advocating mass amputations. He's simply emphasizing in the strongest language our deep need to be freed from sin's control. Severing limbs isn't the answer. Severing the agreements and vows that we have made with sin, well, that is the answer. We do that wonderfully enough, the same way that we see it done in Numbers 30. We go to the Father and we confess the vow that we've made with sin, the agreement, the promise that is ruining our lives. And he, our good Father, is the one who can absolve us from that vow. He can break the contract. He's the one who can free us from sin's power and control. It doesn't happen with magic words. It happens because he sent his Son. Because our Lord Jesus has paid the price for that sin. He has met the demands of the vow. He alone has the power to free us from the agreements made. He alone can take those vows and deceitful contracts and tie them to a millstone and throw them into the sea. Are you trapped in the grip of sin? Has it reached out and grabbed your hand? Has it laid hold of your foot? Has it captured your eye? Take the deceitful agreements you've made with sin and bring them to your Father. Confess them to Him. And note this, your confession will not change God's attitude toward you. Confession doesn't change God. It changes us. Because it demonstrates that we are indeed in relationship with God. We are His. He is our Father. And He will never not be our Father regardless of sins committed. He is not separating himself with you because you have sinned. On the contrary, God has united himself to us. In his incarnation, his death, resurrection, ascension, Jesus once for all times defeats sin, death, and the grave. Sin blinds our eyes to this new reality that we have been swept up into. And confession is our way of wiping our eyes clear to the truth of our being. On the cross, Jesus broke the power of those agreements. So let us return to the Father and see once again the truth of our being in the Son and begin again to discover the way of our being in the Son, free, alive, hopeful, and full of love. That's the prayer that I have for my own soul. That's the prayer that I have for my family, for my wife and my daughters and my son. And that's the prayer that I have for you.
may it be so. Let's continue now in a time of prayer. Feel free to read along with these prayers in the show notes of today's podcast and meditate on these words that are being spoken over you, your family, and our world. And now, let us pray. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we might not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold, pour out your Spirit on all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I might not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, in the pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born unto eternal life. Amen. And now as our Lord has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today in our time through the scriptures and in prayer. It is much appreciated indeed. And speaking of things appreciated, I would appreciate if you would do me this favor. Would you subscribe to this podcast on YouTube? The Daily Radio Bible is about 100 subscribers shy of that 1,000 subscriber mark. Once we reach 1,000 subscribers, YouTube opens up a whole new level of functionality, making our ability to connect with you all the more rich and dynamic, and we would love for that to happen. And all you need to do is to subscribe. If you go to YouTube, just type in Daily Radio Bible, and it'll take you right there to our page. And while you're in that signing up kind of mood, would you head on over to Facebook and join us there? Subscribe to our Facebook page. 
Again, just type in Daily Radio Bible, and we will show up, and we'll be able to show up together. Once you subscribe, you'll be able to access some of our additional content. We post videos there and the like. It's a place where we can connect. So check it out and subscribe and follow our Facebook page. Well, hey, I'm going to let you go, but let me remind you that tomorrow Heather is at the helm and you won't want to miss it. Until tomorrow, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength and let us always remember this, that you are loved. Let that sink in for a while. (laughs) Alrighty, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys take care.